The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, as you can tell from my accent. I'm actually retired from medical practice, but I'm still working in healthcare, helping family caregivers. I see family caregiving as one of the most important supports for healthcare right now, right across the world. So, who are family caregivers? Well, they're the people who go on providing care to family members when all the professional caregivers, like I used to be, have gone home. Family caregivers are the people that the healthcare systems of so many countries, including ours, rely on more and more. And here I'm going to confess something, although I'm sure it's obvious. I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, today our episode is about family caregivers and dog guides for autism assistance. And first, I just want to say a word about autism. Um, It's an incurable condition in which the nervous system of a child fails to develop normally. It affects each child differently, but always results in some form of disability. It impairs the way the child's brain functions for speaking and social interaction. It impairs the child's thinking, feeling, language, and ability to relate to others. It's associated with unusual patterns in the child's behavior, activities, and interests. It's usually first diagnosed in early childhood because of problems with communication, social interactions, and repetitive behaviors. And it creates major, major challenges for the children, their families, and the family caregivers. Now, I'm going to introduce our two guests. First, Roxanne Davis. Roxanne describes herself as the stay-at-home mom of two great kids. Haley is a 14-year-old. She's an amazing girl who's musically talented and very helpful and loving to her brother Mason. Mason is 11 and has profound autism. It was diagnosed at the age of three and he's received intensive therapy ever since. He too is an amazing child. Though he has speaking problems, he reads and surfs the web better than his mom. That's what Roxanne says. Um, Mason received his second service dog called Dublin in January 2010 when his first dog, Zeus, retired. Dublin goes to school with Mason where they are in grade five together and they're doing wonderfully well. 
Roxanne says that Mason's dogs have allowed them to be an active, normal family. The dogs have helped keep Mason in their home and taken stress out of their family by providing them with a third parent, which is how Roxanne thinks of the dogs. She's extremely grateful to the Lions Foundation of Canada's dog guides, providing Dublin and Zeus, the two dogs that brought such benefit to Mason and the family. Chris Fowler is the other guest. Chris has been a professional dog guide trainer since 1994. In 1996, he co-founded the world's first service dog program to assist autistic children and their families. He pioneered, pioneered the puppy program and the training program. He mastered the various family assessments and services need, needed to ensure that success for the dogs in assisting autism. He's helped service dog, dog organizations in Ireland, Spain, the U.S., and Canada, all with startup of their autism programs. He trained Abby, a dog guide, inducted into the Purina Animal Hall of Fame in 2005 for her work with a child with autism. In 2005, he received the R.L. Peterson Award for pioneering autism dog training and serving families with autism. In 2006, he received the Gerald Bloomfield Award of the Autism Society of Ontario. In 2008, he received the Paul Harris Award through Rotary Club International. And under his direction, over 170 dogs have been placed as autism dogs in Canada, including Zeus in Dublin, the dogs that Roxanne is going to talk about. So welcome to the show, Roxanne and Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to ask Roxanne first, just please tell us about your family's experience with autism. Well, as you said, um, our son, our youngest child, Mason, who's now 11, was diagnosed with um, profound autism when he was three. And um, we knew that because he had developed relatively normally up until he was about two, and then he started to have a typical regression in, you know, typical to autism where he, he lost some language that he had and, and that. And um, we just were finding that he was becoming more and more difficult, you know, in his behaviors and that. So we um, took him into some specialists and he was diagnosed with profound autism. And since then we've, um, you know, spent the last eight years really working hard with him to um, bring him back up to where, you know, he should be with his speech and, and his behaviors, and he's doing really well with that. I'm going to come back to that, the progress, but I'd like to ask Chris just to tell us about the Lands Foundation of Canada Dog Guides, that's the organization, and the work it does. Chris? Sure, yeah, the Lions Foundation uh, Dog Guides is a non-profit organization. Uh, we're located in Oakville, Ontario. We actually have two facilities. Our main campus is in Oakville, Ontario, and then our second uh, campus, uh, which has our breeding um, quarters as well, is in Breslau, Ontario. Um, so the Lions Foundation Dog Guide started in 1983. Um, providing um, guide dogs to the blind, and since then um, has added many other programs as well. Um, we've, we've helped over we've helped over 2,000 Canadians uh, since 1983 uh, by providing assistance dogs to them. Yeah, very interesting. 
Now, that raises the question for Roxanne. What led you to think of having a dog guide for Mason in the first place? Well, when I first heard that they were um, training dogs for children with autism, Mason had just been diagnosed with autism. And um, when we saw the things that the dogs did for these children, um, by, you know, the, the ch- children were actually attached to the dog by a leash around the child's waist or a belt around the child's waist and attached to the dog's jacket. And I thought, our son was such a risk of flight. Like, he was so, he'd run out into the street, he'd, you know, jump into a swimming pool or a pond with no thought to the danger involved in that. So you always had to be holding his hand. And um, we thought, I, I just thought, you know, as he gets older, this is just going to get worse. So that was where I thought, you know, in my heart, I knew that getting a, a dog guide was the answer to, to that for our family. How old was Mason when Zeus came on the scene? Mason was four years old when we got Zeus. Um, just like, just and like. just a little guy and, and a big golden dog. So it was, he, he, it was pretty cute to see them attached together and, you know, not have to hold Mason's hand constantly and... So he's had a, a dog with him now for almost eight years. Wow. Going back to that very first moment when they met, the two of them, what was their reaction to each other? Oh, Mace loved him. He, he really, I was, I was really surprised because we, we weren't sure how much at that point Mason understood of what we said. And we had been telling him that, you know, he was going to be receiving a service dog and um, you know, that we were going to be bringing that home. And, and when we did, he just, he really took to Zeus right away. And the same thing with Dublin. Like we, now we know that Mason understands a great deal of what we say. So, you know, we, we were preparing him when we knew that Zeus was going to be retiring, that we were going to be getting Dublin. And, um, you know, this, this was a picture of him. And, and so when we came home with Dublin, the, the transition went extremely well. Like he was just, well, this is my dog. And, Away I go, wouldn't. So that was great. Now, Chris, I'm just going to ask you fairly quickly, just talk about the special needs, medical or physical disabilities that dog guides generally help with. We're going to come to autism dogs especially in the next segment, but generally. Sure. So like I said, in 1983, uh, Dog Guides um, as an organization was formed um, providing dog guides for, for people with visual impairments. Um, in the early 1990s, uh, two other programs were added, so hearing ear dogs for people that were deaf or hard of hearing, and then special skills dogs uh, for people that had mobility issues, so somebody that was in a wheelchair, um, and the dogs helped assist uh, with turning lights on and off, um, opening doors, a lot of retrieving. And then now we have the seizure response program, so dogs that are trained for people with epilepsy, so by activating a lifeline button, which is a direct line to a hospital if somebody has a seizure, um, or going to get help, and then, and then the autism program as well. Right. Just say a little bit more about the lifeline service. How does that work? So for people that have um, epilepsy, um, so the dog really has uh, two jobs, so one in the home and then one while they're out in public as well. So anytime um, somebody with epilepsy uh, drops to have a seizure, what the dog's job is is to stand over top of the person, and which is kind of a visual for somebody in public that, uh, that something's not right and, and they need help, okay? And then in the home, what would happen um, 
so a dog would be trained, so once a person has a seizure, the dog would then leave the person and go and activate a lifeline button, so a small red button, and it's a direct line to a hospital. And over the speaker, um, the ambulance attendant would, would come over and ask if everything is okay, and if they don't get an answer, then, then they would send help. Right. Now, I'm going to be asking you in the second segment, which we're going to go into in a moment or two, um, to concentrate on the autism services and training that these dogs get. Sure. Um, but very, very quickly, is, it, is there a sort of general program that the dogs go through and then they go into autism as a sort of special class? Is that the way it works? Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. So, um, so Dog Guides uh, breeds over 200 dogs per year. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about um, about the training that the, the puppies go through um, before they're a year old and then when they come back to our kennel for advanced training and how they're selected for different programs. Very good. Yeah. Now it is time for us to take a short break and pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Roxanne Davis and Chris Fowler. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We'll definitely be back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. We all share similar desires. To be loved, to be happy, and to feel well. Your inner journey is here to support you, inspire you, and expand your knowledge of you. Tune in for new insights. Meet our guests. Get the inspiration you need to create the life you really want. Your Inner Journey with Penny Calcina is about her inner journey and your inner journey and the things that connect us all. Tune in every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for Your Inner Journey on 7th Wave Network. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Roxanne Davis and Chris Fowler. Our topic is Family Caregivers and Dog Guides for Autism Assistance. 
Now, I want to talk about specifically about the background to Dog Guides for Autism Assistance. And so, starting with Chris, please tell us about the dogs. First of all, what sort of dogs are they? And what, what's the training they receive? You, you touched on this before the break, but just please take us through that story. Sure. So we have, um, at Dog Guides, we have our own breeding program. So we breed um, close to 200 dogs per year. Um, and then, so once the, once the puppy is eight weeks of age, they would be placed into a home with a volunteer family. And this generally lasts between 12 and 15 months. So the, the, really the job of the puppy raiser, we call these, these volunteer families puppy raisers, Really, their job is to socialize the dog, teach the dog basic manners, basic obedience, and kind of prepare the dog for, uh, for its life as a working dog guide. Right. Roxanne, please tell us about Dublin. First of all, what breed of dog is he? How, 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 does he, how he fits into the family and how he actually helps Mason? Sure. Um, keeping, keeping in mind that we've had Dublin since January, Dublin is um, a big 90-pound black lab, so he's a big boy. Um, he's amazing, an amazing guy. He has an awesome personality, and he keeps us laughing constantly. He and Mason have um, are starting to bond really nicely. He sleeps with Mason, and um, they're settling into school together. And we've just we've really had no issues with him. He's a wonderful, wonderful dog. What does he just summarize what he what he does to help Mason? Um, I think that for Mason, you know, um, for a lot of children with autism, they have a lot of sensory um, issues to lights and sounds and loud noises. And um, so going out into public or even going to school, that's, that's a real challenge because, you know, you have to go to assemblies when you're at school and um, there's kids in the hallway that are making noises and stuff. So it's a real challenge to kind of concentrate, you know, on what Mason's supposed to be doing. And I believe that um, Dublin really helps Mason to stay grounded when he's out. And you'll see him, you know, if he gets, starts getting really nervous, he'll pet Dublin's head and, or he'll sit down on the floor with Dublin and, okay, Dublin's there, I'm all right, I can continue doing what I need to be doing. And um, it's like, you know, having mom there with you, where you know you're safe and everything's good, only I'm not with him. He's, he has Dublin. And so I, I think that that's one of the biggest things that Dublin does for Mason is to help keep him grounded and, um, you know, for not as distracted as he would be if he was on his own. Right. Chris, are all the dogs that you choose for autism uh, dog guides um, Labradors, and are they all black, or do you have other choices? And then I'd like you to talk about what's involved in training them. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, primarily, we use Labrador Golden Retrievers um, for the autism program, uh, but, but within our breeding program, we also breed uh, Poodles. Um, uh, we have some German Shepherds, and then some of the smaller dogs for our hearing ear dogs. So the, the toy Poodles are the or, or the smaller dogs. I'm not going to ask you the question which uh, which are the most successful because I don't think that would be fair. <laughs> but please do tell us about what's involved in training them. So really, my job as a head trainer is to um, 
to go out and meet the family. So families that are interested in, in applying for a dog guide for, for their child with autism, to make sure that the family is aware that, you know, it is a big commitment on, on their part and, you know, they're, they're willing to, to undergo that, that big commitment. And then really um, take, uh, you know, looking at the dogs that I have in training and then matching them um, with the families that are on our wait list. Um, so we have, we have a number of families on our wait list and then we have a number of dogs. Well, not every dog is suitable for, for every family. So, you know, really getting to know the families and getting to know the dogs and then, you know, making that, that match between the dog and the child. Yeah. Um, Roxanne, I'm going to ask you to say something more about what you've already said, and that is the particular challenges of autism that you hoped your dog guide would help you with. And here's what I'm asking. You talked about um, grounding Mason. What do you mean by that? And was that the sort of challenge that you were really looking for a solution? Um, It it was definitely one of the challenges that we were looking for a solution for when we... um, we're looking to get Mason um, a, a dog guide. And um, I, I think that, like, when we were, for instance, when, when we were going out in public to a restaurant um, and, you know, Mason would become overwhelmed, he'd um, bang his head or he'd um, uh, shake his hands, and, and he looked very different, and he'd screech a lot. Like, he, he really... Cause, he was overwhelmed by the people that were around him and the lights and the noises and stuff. So what we noticed when we first got um, Zeus and then now with Dublin is that when we were out with him, he would crawl underneath the table and stay with his dog. And so, um, he, and, and pet him and stuff. And, you know, though that looked odd, it didn't look as odd for us as a family as having him um, banging his head on the seat of the chair or jumping up and down and, you know, screeching. And that pretty much has come to a stop since we've had um, Zeus and then Dublin in our lives. Um, He doesn't crawl under the table with Dublin now. He just sits beside him. But um, just knowing that he has his dog there and is able to pet him, that has just helped pretty much stop those behaviors. So now he just looks like a little boy that's attached to a dog as opposed to a child that looks like he's having extreme behaviors. Does he look, to what extent does he look after the dog? Give it water, feed the dog, that kind of thing? He does. <laughs> he, um, he helps to, to feed him. Like we, we measure out um, his food into little baggies and then we give one to Mace and Mace dumps it into his dish. And um, we always have water available for Dublin. But if, if you know, if Dublin needs a cookie, Mason will come and get him a cookie and give Dublin the cookie. And, and so he is, um, and he, we also have him brush him from time to time too. And, and now that um, I'm, I'm a little bit better handler and stuff, we don't have a leash on Dublin. So Mason always thinks that he's walking Dublin. I'm not walking Dublin. So if we're out, he's walking Dublin. And that makes him think that he's a big boy. <laughs> Very good. Two big boys. Chris? Please, could you sort of list for us um, the particular challenges of autism that you train the dog guides to handle? Yeah, I think, it, I think Roxanne has said it perfectly, but 
um, you know, a lot of the families that, and I've worked with, I've worked with close to 300 kids and families that, that have a child with autism. So um, many times when I, when I first meet a family, um, what the family often says is that, you know, they're kind of stuck in their home. They're not, they're not able to get out as a family. So even, you know, something as simple as, as a trip to the grocery store, um, where one parent has to stay back with a child with autism while the rest of the family goes um, to the grocery store, or out for dinner, or to the shopping mall, um, and you know, and a, a lot of these same families that um, once they once they have a dog guide, a lot of them are you know not only going out to to restaurants and to the grocery store, but you know they're doing annual vacations um, as a family, and you know things just get easier. Now the number the number one request that that I always get, and Roxanne mentioned this as well, uh, more in the earlier years with um, with Mason, is um, around safety. So children with autism, often that impulse behavior um, where the child will just bolt, and they have you know they really have no concern for uh, for their own safety. So um, running off a sidewalk into the the middle of the road to get a red ball, um, you know, so that that's often. Uh, the number one thing that uh, that families are requesting um, as the reason for for getting a dog guide for their their child is around safety, and really that's where the the dogs are able to help most. Um, Roxanne talked about the um, the belt that goes around the child's waist and then is connected to the dog. So that that does a couple things. One, um, it it keeps the child safe, and then the other thing that it does it allows the child some independence as well. Um, so normally. Um, when a family goes out for a walk, they're always having to hold on to their child, either by, you know, by the hood on their jacket or by the hand. And typically, children with autism don't like that. Um, they don't like that, that restrictive, you know, um, that restriction of, of being held on to, not only by their parent, but, um, you know, by a caregiver as well. It's never really uh, been an issue um, having the child hooked up to the dog, um, you know, which... which may seem odd, you know, them not liking their, their parents holding on to their hand, but they're okay, you know, having a, a, a belt attached to a dog and, and walking along a road. And most of the children that I've worked with have been, been fine with that. So, uh, so really there's three things that, um, that, that we, we hope for when we, when we place a dog guide with a family. So the number one thing is, is safety. Uh, the second thing is independence. And then the third thing Something that we don't train the dog for, but social interaction for for the child. So, um, normally walking through through a shopping mall, um, kids with autism really have a tough time dealing with, um, you know, the, the the sounds, all the sensory stuff that that happens in a shopping mall. So people walking, lights going on and off, um, people coming up and saying hello. So often uh, we see children and and they look like they're they're misbehaving normally children with autism look like any other child and so so normally people wouldn't come up and say hello but having a dog at their side uh, so many people so you know a 15 minute uh, what would be a 15 minute trip to the shopping mall now becomes a 45 minute trip because people are coming up and saying hello um uh, you know to the family and more importantly to to the child um and really, I try to encourage families to, you know, allow their children to interact with um, the public and, you know, use the dog as, as a tool for that. Mm-hmm. It's a very, um, and, striking, and, very striking picture. And I'm just going to interrupt you because mm-hmm. uh, we've only a short time to go. Okay. And I just want Roxanne to say, please list us the three best ways in which 
um, Dublin helps Mason. From your point of view, which are the three best? Um, I think that, you know, it's hard to pick three, but I think that the, I, I just wanted to get in the, the one big um, thing that he does for us is Mason and has a lot of um, other issues, too, with his ears and stuff, and he goes to, through surgery a lot. And having um, had a, a dog be able to be with us in the hospital with him so that he can, when he's waking up, he doesn't need to be, you know, with me. He can be with his dog and that keeps him calm. You know, the calm factor, that is one big one. Um, like Chris said, the, the safety of having him um, being attached to the dog is the second biggest right. thing for us. I'm going to come back to the third sure. one after the break. Sure. Right, because we've, we've got to take the break. Sure, that's right no now. problem. Okay, great. Um, now the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Roxanne Davis and Chris Fowler. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We'll be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk network stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you know i need someone you are listening to family caregivers unite with dr gordon atherley if you have any questions or comments about our program please address them by email to doc g at mymonami.com that's Doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Roxanne Davis and Chris Fowler. Um, our topic is Family Caregivers and Dog Guides for Autism Assistance. Now, I want to just ask Roxanne to carry on with the question we'd asked her, which was, name your the three best things that Dublin does for Mason, and I interrupted you in the middle of number two. Roxanne, please carry on. Okay. Um, I think I was pretty much done number two. Uh, the, the third one for us would be just that, you know, Mason now looks like any other 11-year-old boy. He's just attached to a dog. 
And, you know, he has friends that come up to him and um, will go with him and, and that where he might not have had that had he not had, a, had his dog with him. And, you know, people smile when they see him attached to his dog as opposed to a child just having behaviors. And that, that has been huge for our family. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. If you were put in the position of giving advice, and maybe you already do, to family caregivers caring for children with autism, and they're thinking about a dog guide, what are the what kind of advice would you give them? Um, I think that I would just let them know, just you know, do some research if they've never had a dog before. Um, find out what you know what it's like, what the challenges are to to taking care of a dog, and you know, make sure nobody in the family has any allergies to them. Um, and, and, you know, just be, be aware that even with as much as the dog does to help us, you know, it's, a, it's like a, we're a family of four, but now we're a family of five, and we, we take Dublin with us everywhere. So if we're going on vacation, you know, we need to pack for Dublin and make sure he has his food and his toys and those kinds of things. And, um, you know, it's all worth it, but those are all things that you should really think about before you, you know, decide to get a dog guide. Fine. Chris? I'm going to ask you about the questions that come to the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guides and you personally, the kind of questions that family caregivers who are considering a dog guide for autism assistance, what do they ask you? Sure, yeah, well, the number one question is, you know, always how, how can a dog help my child or my family? And really, uh, the answer to that is, you know, the, do- the dog is really a tool for, for the parents or the, the caregiver. So, um, so the parents at home and the, the education assistant at school. Um, but the dog really works for, for the child. And there, there's such a strong bond, um, and Roxanne has talked about it, um, between the kids and the dogs. And, you know, uh, often it's that nonverbal communication. A lot of the kids that, that, um, that we work with are nonverbal. And then many are verbal as well, but, you know, just that connection between the dog and the child, so many amazing things can happen because of that. I'm going to ask you, Roxanne, um, when you're all working together um, as closely as you do and an event comes along like Zeus retiring, what kind of impact does that have on Mason and the family? Um, You know, the thought of of Zeus retiring was always something that kind of brought like a lump to my throat because I thought, you know, here we were with this um, big dog and um, how were we ever going to replace that with Mason, the bond that those two had and, you know, the things that Zeus did for Mason, like how how would we ever um, replace that for him? And so when it came time that Zeus was starting to show his age and, and um, you know, re- retirement was kind of inevitable, um, it was easy for me to go to Chris. We've been friends now for, you know, going on 10 years. And, and so um, to say, Chris, you know, it's time that Zeus retire and Mason needs another service dog, um, it, I, it's just amazing to me that he was able to find this dog that has, in four months, um, become such a big part of our lives. And, you know, to watch Mason develop a, a new bond with a new dog and, and that dog to do, you know, not necessarily the things that Zeus did for him, but new things for him has been really fun to watch. So so that was, 
you know, as a family to be able to um, watch Mason transition to his new dog, um, which, you know, in the first couple of weeks was a little bit of a challenge. He didn't want to take that that black dog. He said he didn't want to take that black dog to school. Um, and then now to watch them, you know, go camping together and, and the things that we're starting to do in the spring together and, and Mason just, that's his, his buddy, you know, is, has been really great. I guess, Roxanne, I, we'd say to you, those sound like the kind of things that make the sun shine for you. Is that they right? Do. And they so, do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they really do. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to ask you the same, basically, the same question, Chris. When you work with a family like Roxanne's, what are the things that really make the sun shine for you? Oh, just, you know, there's so many rewarding things. I, you know, I just, I don't even look at my job as a job, really. Um, you know, there's just so many rewards from, from doing what I do. I've met so many great people, um, and, you know, and really so many close friends, um, because of this. And, you know, it's been so fun just to, it, that, that's just a part of the job that, that I love is just, you know, watching, um, you know, a dog that, that we've trained for the last five or six months um, and, and then handing it off to, to a family and a, and a child and, you know, just watching um, that relationship and that bond grow over time. So, you know, it did, since 1996, it really has been amazing watching, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the kids that I work with and then a lot of the families, how, you know, how they've grown as families as well. Now, I'm going to ask, come down to a practical thing. And Roxanne, what about the costs involved in having a dog guide? What help do you or did you receive and where does the help come from? The costs. Um, you know, the cost of, of, of having Dublin as, as a dog is really no higher than having, you know, any other dog in your home. My, you know, obviously we have um, dog food and he's on a high quality dog food and we have vet bills and toys and, and things like that. But um, to, to actually get Dublin, Dog Guides was absolutely phenomenal. They were amazing. They flew um, my sister and I out to Ontario, to Oakville, from Alberta, um, to get Dublin. And um, we stayed right at their training center, which the accommodations were amazing. Like, we each had a computer in our room and, you know, our own bathrooms and stuff. And they, um, they have a, a wonderful chef. And as a parent with a child with autism, <laughs> having somebody cook for me was absolutely, it was like a vacation to go and train with the dog. So there actually was, you know, no cost to our family in, in getting Dublin at all. It was great. And as a family, we tried to, you know, help with the fundraising and that, but, um, but there was no cost to actually getting Dublin. Chris, I, I'd like to ask you about the way dog guide training is funded, the sources of funding for the Lions Foundation, and um, any, any sort of sources of funding that are external to uh, the Lions Foundation, which the families can draw on. Sure. Um, yeah, so the way our program is funded, so like Roxanne said, um, so really there, there's absolutely no cost to, to families that are receiving a dog guide. And, um, you know, we're really committed to that and, and making sure that, you know, it is, it is a stress-free thing, that, that families that, 
you know, have, either have a disability themselves or have a, a child with a disability that they're not they're not stressing over having to raise money um, to, to get a dog or to, to have to pay for a dog. So the Lions Foundation Dog Guides is uh, funded. Um, a lot of our budget, about twenty to, between twenty and thirty percent of our annual budget, comes from Lions Clubs right across Canada. And then the other, uh, the other portion of our budget is raised through major fundraising events. Um, every spring, um, usually on May 30th of every year, um, we have our annual Purina Walk for Dog Guides. Um, so that, that events like that, um, and then just public donations and corporate donations. So um, all of our dogs are uh, fed by Purina. Um, Purina do- donates 100% of our food for all of our dogs in training. Um, you know, so a, a lot of companies, uh, corporate donations and private donations and events is how, how we raise money to, to be able to provide the service. So it really comes back to publicity then, does it, in the sense that this is an inspiring story that you need to get out. Is that right? Well, yeah, awareness, for sure. Yeah. yeah, just making sure that people are aware of our program. Yeah. Right, Sam, do people can come up to you uh, and ask you about things like the funding of, of of Dublin and the training that Dublin got. Do you, do you find yourself discussing those things? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like we, um, as a family, we've always been kind of big on on fundraising and and helping out where we can. And um, and we do have people, and I usually try to carry pamphlets or cards with me in Dublin's jacket so that we can can give those out and and um, you know so that people are. Um, aware of, and even just family and friends, like, you know, we try uh, before we got Dublin, we re- we sent out um, the Dog Guides Christmas cards this year, and, you know, if any of the family and friends were looking to give donations, we asked that they would you know, do th- consider giving to Dog Guides as their charity of choice. I do ask you this. Um, my profession, physicians, who do get involved, at least in diagnosing this this condition, autism. Question to you both, Roxanne, first of all. Do you think that physicians are aware, sufficiently aware of the role of the dog guide? Um, I think that it, here in Alberta, it, I think it's coming. There's, there's a few of us out there now with, with them and um, with dogs. And so I know that, you know, Mason's um, physicians have always been um, wonderful with his his dog and, um, you know, the Alberta Children's Hospital is amazing having the service dogs, you know, right in the the hospital, right in the recovery room for Mason. And, and so I think awareness is coming for the, the physicians and the, the hospital. We've never had an issue with the Children's Hospital having having a, our, our dog right in there with them. Same question for you, Chris. Did the doctors know enough and understand enough, do you think? Uh, specifically about dog guides? Yes. Um, or autism, I'm talking about. Or autism. Yeah, um, autism, yeah for sure. I think, um, you know, I, I've been doing this for close to 20 years, and, um, you know, the number, the number of kids being diagnosed now compared to, you know, 15 or 20 years ago is just phenomenal. So I think, you know, there, there is a lot more awareness about, about autism. And, and now kids are being diagnosed um, at an earlier age as well. When, uh, when I started uh, training, um, dogs for kids with autism, a lot of the kids that, that I was working with, you know, were being being diagnosed at the ages of six, seven, and eight. Now, uh, you know, kids are, are being diagnosed at 18 months or, um, 
you know, two years or three years old, which is, you know, which just great not only for uh, for our program, but for you know, for many different therapies for for the child and for the family. So I guess I'm hoping that um, one day, if they're not already doing it. Um, Physicians will be writing a prescription, so to speak, for <laughs> Zeus and Dublin. Yeah. I don't quite know how they'd write it, but it would the, be very nice to read. It, it is part of our application process where uh, the family has to make sure that their, their physician is aware that the child's got, applying for a dog guide. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Now, it is time for us to take the short break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Roxanne Davis and Chris Fowler. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We've got more to come. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to Family Caregivers Unite and our discussion about um, autism uh, and dog guides to help families and children with autism. Now, I'm going to ask our two guests a question about what they would do if they were appointed by governments to oversee the development of support for family caregivers who benefit from autism assistance dog guides. In other words, um, what, 
What are the things that you would recommend and why would you recommend them? Roxanne, first. Um, I think the first thing that I would really like to see are some clear um, laws put in place for all dog guides. Um, here in Alberta, we have a, a really, and it actually has just come into place as of last year, a really strict law um, that provides public access to all dog guides in all public places in Alberta. So um, that, you know, that very clearly states that as a family, I'm not going to be asked, you know, not to bring a dog into the grocery store or into the hospital or into school. And the second thing that I'd really like to see is that um, the schools and educators and school boards are made aware of dog guides and the benefit that they bring to um, the children that have them and, you know, are, are, have awareness of, of, I guess, how these dogs help the children and the benefit they bring them in the classrooms as well. Is, would you call that a, an extension of the awareness program that you've both been talking about? Uh, yeah. Um, I think that, like, we, you know, um, Mason has gone to two different schools now in two different school um, divi divisions here in Alberta and had a dog with him for seven and a half years and we have never once had an issue um, either A, with him bringing his dog to school and B, with any other children. There's never been an issue with a child being, you know, hurt by the dog or allergic to the dog or any of those issues that you might think, you know, would be brought up. And yet schools still seem to be um, leery of having a dog come to school with a child. Yeah. Some Chris, schools, not all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Chris, I'm going to ask you the same question. You're, you're in charge. Um, what, what's the kind of things that you would like, like to see happen and uh, that you would argue for? Yeah, I would agree with Roxanne about, um, with, uh, about the schools. Um, it has it has been easier over the last um, few years working with uh, different schools, but you know still we get the the odd school board that that is resistant uh, to a dog guide coming into the school. So you know not only um, not only having a provincial law, but having a, a federal law as well that that's consistent right across Canada for uh, for all the school boards would you know would would surely help for sure. Then the second thing is just awareness um, about our program, just making sure that. Um, you know, when when a family does get that diagnosis that their their child um, has been diagnosed with autism, that they're aware of the um, not only our service but you know the many services that are out there for uh, for these families, the different therapies, and um, you know the having a dog guide and, and ways that these different therapies can help their family. Let's just explore this question a little bit more about the way in which the healthcare system. Um, these dog guides. I mean, you've both been very positive about that. Okay. But I'm going to ask you a tougher question. Do you think the healthcare system, maybe it's doctors, maybe it's others, really do know how well um, children like Mason do with dog guides like Zeus and Dublin? Do they know? Um, I, I, I can start off by answering that. Um, I think, you know, um, when a family comes to a physician and, and says that they're, they're looking into this as an option, 
I don't think uh, many physicians are aware of um, ways that a dog guide can help a child with autism. Um, I think that comes with, um, you know, the family, you know, finally receiving their dog guide and bringing the um, the dog into the, the doctor's office. And then I think that the doctors are able, you know, to get a visual on exactly how the dogs are, are helping um, the child and the family. Yeah. Roxanne, what's your answer to that? Your, um, your experience has been positive, but do you think they understand enough of them, my, my, my colleagues? I think that, um, I think I agree with Chris um, in that, like, once the dog, you know, once we got um, Zeus and, and now Dublin and, and have brought it into our different physicians, um, I know that, you know, for instance, Mason's developmental pediatrician, she knows that um, we have Dublin and, and what he's done for Mason and, and, and Zeus before Dub, and um, so she would be able to say to, you know, new when she's diagnosing a new patient, I have this um, patient that has a dog guide, and it's great, but do her colleagues know about dog guides? I, I don't know, you know, like, I don't think so. I think that in, in years to come, it will, it's, it's getting better, but I, I still don't think that they're able to actually say to, you know, parents, that hey, do you know that this this is out there for you, and this is what it's done for this family? Yeah. If I could just say, there's a tendency among us all when we become specialised in something to see all the solutions as the kind of things we normally do. That's not a criticism. That's a very natural human thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm the question I'm really asking myself as I'm listening to you is whether there's a need for, an opportunity for, a, a modest program of some kind um, to draw physicians' attention to um, the story, your stories, um, that we've been, we have been listening to today. Um, do you think there is? Now, let me ask Chris, first of all, um, is some kind of educational program, could it be useful, or is that something you think that time will take care of in any case? Well, I think that any, you know, any time you go to a conference or, or to an education seminar, there, you know, um, there is a benefit for sure. Um, you know, it can't hurt by, by knowing about the program. And, and, you know, the more people that know about the program, um, the more they're going to be able to, to recommend it to families that they're serving. Roxanne, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that you know, over the years that um, education has, has come, but I think actually just, you know, programs like this where, you know, Chris and I are, are talking about it and they're hearing the benefits that it's had for our son, Mason, and, you know, gee, I didn't know that. Um, and I've, I've heard that over and over again when I'm out. I didn't know that they, they train dogs for autism. I didn't know that. And so, you know, as awareness is, is building and um, people are, I, I think it's always great, you know, that um, the aware- that there's more and more awareness and education and and that. One of the things that this program really tries to emphasize is the role of the family caregiver generally in supporting the healthcare system. I said that at the beginning, and I'll say it now that I think the healthcare system is starting to understand what family caregivers really do, and. Things, the, the topics that we've been talking about today are the way dogs help in the family 
help with the children, help with the family caregivers, is part of that picture. And what I'm wanting to do then is to really say to you both that if you think that there's more that can be done by this program and others like it, please would you say so, because uh, anybody, and this includes me, who really comes new to what you're doing, walks away thinking very carefully and is very, very impressed, as indeed I was. Now, I have a little, just a little admission to make. I actually live in Oakville, downtown Oakville, and I watch these dogs um, being trained around uh, the town. And it's really, first of all, very, very remarkable to watch the way it's all done. But I had never thought until I began to organize this program and this episode of autism as being one of the ways, one of the conditions in which the dogs can be so helpful. So if I've been, by organizing this program, helpful, as I hope I have, I'd like you both to maybe afterwards to get in touch with me to say what else can be done. Um, I'm going to... um, We have... Time is running out on us, as it always does. And so I would like to um, finish off by saying this. First of all, thank you to our listeners. And please, would you email us with your comments and questions, which I'll be very pleased to pass on um, to Roxanne and to Chris. And any comments you have about the experience, about what you've seen, about what you've heard, and what you think can be done whether it's fundraising or anything else, to promote this program. And I personally find it remarkable, amazing, and in many ways touching. So I want to say thank you to Roxanne Davis and Chris Fowler for sharing with us your experience, your insights, and your advice. And I want to wish you every every success in what you're doing um, because it's work that goes to the heart of needs. And that's good work. Now, in our next episode, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to talk about other types of dog guides and their work with family caregivers. So please join us at the same time, same spot on the Internet. And thank you very much. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.